When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, welcome to Dead and Roasted. What can I get you? Whoa there, you're getting real good at timing your break with mine. If I didn't know any better, I'd guess you just can't get enough of these scary work stories. Eh, lucky for you, I do have a couple new ones to share. One about a man wielding the floppiest kind of danger, and the other about a sinister customer who might have never left the building. Enjoy, and don't you forget, if you ever decide to clock back in, you may never clock out. These are Tales from the Break Room. Barter from Seraphim A few years ago, I worked at a furniture store as an assistant manager. We were located in a rough part of town, and there were frequently homeless people staying in our parking lots and in the woods surrounding the store. Needless to say, we had a lot of visits from the local police department. Our store was always open late in the evening, and no customers generally came in the last few hours the store was open. Well, one day we heard the door open and the bell ring. We were surprised and jumped up to greet this customer. Working in a commissioned sales environment, Everyone was excited and hoping for a sale. The man who stood before us was dressed in torn pajama pants, a raincoat, and boots. He looked as if he had been drinking, and as we approached, this was confirmed by the smell of alcohol that wafted six feet from him in every direction. We greeted him all the same, although a little disappointed knowing that he was not going to buy anything, and this was likely going to be a waste of our time. Though, as I said, it was always slow in the evenings, and it definitely broke up the monotony of staring at each other and checking reports. Do you have any tarps or cardboard that I can use? Looks like it's getting ready to rain. His voice was raw and gravelly from years of alcohol that no longer burned. Sorry, sir, I think we ended up putting it all in the dumpster. It has a compactor in it too, so I'm afraid I don't have anything to give you. My manager answered. He had come over to greet the customer as a form of protection for the younger salesgirls. He had a no-nonsense way of letting men know that they had no business coming in here unless they were planning on doing business with us. Well, maybe you don't have any cardboard or a tarp. Maybe you have a blanket or something. Looks like you guys maybe sell blankets. You have a blanket? He gestured toward one of the tiered shells in the corner stacked with $150 designer blankets. I looked over at the shelf, then looked back at the man. Then my eyes darted over to my manager, 
who was looking a bit frustrated with the situation. We do sell blankets, sir, and if you have money, you're more than welcome to purchase one. My manager looked at me as if to ask whether I was able to wrap this up and get this man out of the store. I nodded, and he excused himself to his office. The man looked at me, yawned, and scratched his stomach, which was bare underneath his raincoat. Listen, darling, you and me both know I don't have any money, but maybe I can barter with you. Maybe I have something you want. He winked and laughed, showing several missing teeth. And uh, just what is it that you think I'd be interested in? I asked, knowing darn well I was not going to do anything. He reached into an interior pocket in his raincoat, and my heart dropped. I instantly thought he was going to pull out a gun or something, and that he was going to rob us. The seconds passed by slow like honey, and agonizing, while I held my breath and waited for the glint of metal to appear from inside his raincoat. Instead, to my shock, he pulled out a giant suction cup-ended dildo. I lost all composure and started laughing hysterically. What? You look like the kind of lady who would enjoy something like this. I got it for free, but looks like it probably has some value to you. It ain't even dirty or used or nothing like that, just don't have a box is all. The man then proceeded to lick his thumb and wipe something black off the side of the dildo. I'm, I'm really not interested. Thanks a lot for the offer though and for the laugh. Fine, suit yourself. He shoved the dildo back in his raincoat, looking like he was happy enough to save it as a bartering tool for another occasion. Being a manager in the store, we had certain privileges, one of which was being able to adjust the pricing on any item in the store in case it was damaged or discontinued. I went behind the counter and grabbed one of the blankets, adjusting the pricing down to $5. I took some money out of my own pocket and threw it in the cash register. Five bucks seems like an awfully low price for the laugh I'd gotten, and if nothing else, it was going to count as good karma for the day. It was five minutes until closing then, and I knew if I didn't get him out of the store, my manager was going to have my ass, so it served a dual purpose of getting him out and doing a good deed of keeping him dry and warm for the night. When I handed him the blanket, he asked me if I'd like to meet him behind the store after work, said he had a lot of other things back there that he could show me. I declined and he looked disappointed. He left with his blanket before my boss came out of his office and I was glad that he missed the fact that I had discounted the item so much and basically gave it away for free. Not that it would have been entirely an issue, but it was definitely something I'd rather not have to deal with at 10 at night. When we were locking up the building, I noticed that it was really dark in the parking lot, much darker than usual. It seemed one of our lights had burned out, or rather it looked to have been broken out. As I said earlier, we were in a bad part of town, and it wasn't surprising when buildings or street lamps were vandalized. I was ready to go home. It had been a long day and I was tired. I had missed my break too during the day due to some drama going on in the store. It was closing time and everyone fled quickly to their cars while I locked up the building and made sure that the alarm was set. There's usually about four of us at the end of the night, 
but tonight there were only three. My manager and the other coworker both got in their cars and drove off while I was turning around to face the parking lot to get to my car. As I began to walk, I began to hear footsteps behind me. I froze in place. Did you change your mind? I caught sight of that yellow raincoat before I saw the man himself. I put the keys between my fingers and stared at my Kia 40 feet away, wondering how far I'd get before he was able to catch me. If he was drunk as I thought, he was probably not very agile, but it seems drunk people always have that superhuman strength and endurance. No, please leave, I said in a gruff tone. He reached for my arm and I jumped out of his way. I bolted to my car and locking it with the key fob as I ran praying that he wasn't following me. I got into my car with my heart pounding through my chest and I locked my doors as fast as I possibly could. He was just standing there staring at me. That's when I realized the dildo he had offered me earlier in the night was suction cupped to my windshield. I drove home with it like that I didn't see the man the next morning, and I hoped that I would never see him again. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters, murder, mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. A Winter Night at the Motel From SC This happened when I was 18. I was working at a run-down motel and I still don't know what to make of it. There may be an easy explanation for what happened somewhere, but it's just weird to me. I've never been able to shake the feeling that I was missing part of a puzzle. Anyway, I grew up in central Utah. For anyone who hasn't been to Utah, the whole state is desert. In winters, the snow can be up to your thigh, and the chill can be such a slow pain you start to go a little mad for a while. 
Not every winter night is like that, but it only takes 20 minutes for everything to get blanketed with snow some nights. After high school, which I attended in the town over, I looked for a job so I could save for college. I had worked other places previously, but with an internship ending, I had to start over. The problem with my tiny town is that there are no businesses, not one. It's a tiny village that was settled by pioneers, and it's a bizarre mix of modern and antique. The place rocks a post office, a small park, and lots of churches. For the kids looking for work, it was a pain. The next town over wasn't anything big either, with one small grocery store and some schools and such. Eventually, scraping the bottom of the bucket, I landed a job working the night shift at a small rundown motel on the outskirts of the neighboring town. I would be working next to a jail, and my mother flipped since I was only an 18-year-old girl. But after a few weeks, my fears were pretty much put at ease. I was grateful for the job, and with little to do but drink cocoa and watch TV, it was a pretty sweet gig. I did my job well and still ended up with time to spare. My boss, who lived above the lobby, would take off on the weekends when I worked, claiming that if she didn't get away from work, she'd go mad. I understood that and got used to being alone. As a night owl, and someone who's not into a god or anything supernatural, I'm not terribly easy to spook. Horror shows can put me in a funk, and every now and then I'd see weird stuff go down, but it was always things like druggies or dumb kids. Until about four months in. In winter, I have the added responsibility of making sure the walkways are all clear of snow, and in Utah, that's a bitter job. Bundled up, I'd clear one building's walkway all the way down to the rooms, and then past the gated abandoned pool into the second building. Oftentimes, when I got back up to the first building, there would already be two or three inches of snow. I did my best and lavished snow salt generously, and I'd go back to the lobby to wait for guests. I don't remember the night in particular when this all started, as my nights were all relatively the same, but I do remember the event with an obnoxious amount of clarity. It was just me alone, and I had to handle anything that popped up, so when it was snowing, I had to shovel, but also make sure I noticed when people pulled up, so I'd have to stop shoveling and go unlock the lobby and get them a room. On this night, it had been snowing heavily, and I'd been back and forth a lot shoveling and checking in people, who the weather forced off the roads. I was making my way back when I spotted a man standing by the lobby doors, under the extended ceiling that kept the doors clear. I ran up and apologized, saying that I hadn't seen him pull up. I remember thinking at the time that it was weird I hadn't seen a car. In the dead quiet of night, I can always hear a car crunching on the snow and see the headlights light up the night. But then again, I had been busy, so it didn't mean anything that I hadn't seen this car. I explained that I had to lock up every time I left, and I'd go around the side and let them in through the lobby. He nodded and said sure, but tried to follow me through the side. I stopped him and asked him to wait, because the side door goes behind the desk, so I can't let people in through that way. For a second he looked angry, but in an instant, he relaxed and nodded. I entered the building through the side door, locking the door behind me. I ran around the desk which was walled in, think like a dentist office where the desk is on the other side of a wall, and this leads to the stairs to my manager's apartment. 
Then I unlocked a door in the lobby so the guy didn't have to wait in the cold. I let him in, and as I was tugging off my snow gear and trying to smooth the hair that had gone frizzy from the cold, I got a look at him. The first thing I noticed was that he had no coat, which in the middle of winter in Utah can be brutal. The next thing I wondered was if he was one of those traveling priests or something. He cut a solid figure, with dark skin and hair and blinding white teeth. He was well kept in a purple dress shirt and black slacks. What made me think he was a father was the large gold cross hanging on a gold chain. It wasn't an overcompensating type of large, but it had to have been heavy. Also, if he was wet or cold, he didn't show it. Now, working night shifts, the only things to come on TV late at night are infomercials and crime dramas. So all the crime shows and episodes I'd seen had made me somewhat wary of unusual figures, especially ones that acted like they owned the place the way this guy did. Sure, I was young, but I wasn't stupid enough not to be aware of men staring me down. However, I'm a 5'10 tall woman, and I lean towards overweight with plain features, but nothing special. I was never too worried about it. I'm not the kind of girl men waste their time on, so I always told myself I'd be fine. But with this guy, something was off. For one, he acted like I should be treating him like a celebrity, like he couldn't believe I wasn't tripping over myself to help him. After I'd peeled off my coat and gloves and hung them up and gone around my desk and sat, I asked him what I could do for him. He leaned over the counter on one elbow, getting really close with a perfect bright white grin. He casually explained to me that he had hitchhiked to this middle of nowhere town and told me about how it was so cold he just needed a place. I was sympathetic as I always am, especially in this weather where I try not to give anyone the boot. I've seen more than my fair share of people down on their luck, but as a kid working nights at a small rundown motel trying to save what she could for college, I couldn't be the hero every time, something I had to learn fast. So what type of room would you like? I asked. He grinned at me in a friendly way that made me feel sort of bad for getting creeped out. I just need something small, he assured me, but I don't have any money. I tried not to wince. I hated turning people away. Well, the computer won't let me give anyone a room without a valid credit card number, I explained. That was the truth, albeit a tad stretched. He let out a little laugh and nodded. <laughs> well, I got nothing on me. He held out his hands as if to show me. I tried not to look upset. It was super uncomfortable being put in these situations. I'm sorry. I told him, but I can't give you a room without the credit card number. For the next hour or so, he tried all sorts of things. He begged me, told me to use my card to get the room and he'd pay me back, etc. After a while, I could see him getting angrier and angrier, but hiding it under his huge white smile, and he would pace a few steps back or look around before coming back. He moved on to sitting comfortably in the chairs and began trying to ask if he could sleep in the laundry room. No. The lobby? No. My car? Hell no. You won't even have to give me the keys, he said. Just turn it on for a bit to warm it up. Really, no. The whole time I was very accommodating. I was kind and let him watch TV. I gave him cocoa to warm up, and even some food. 
I was a bit thrown as I pulled a few pastries from the breakfast I would set up in the morning and tried to offer them to him. And he just said, I'm not going to eat these. Okay then. In a last ditch attempt to give this guy the boot who was getting closer and closer into my space, I offered the money in my wallet to him, maybe 10 or 15 bucks in small bills. He snatched it up without so much as a thank you. I told him that if he kept ordering coffee or something small at Denny's just a block or two down the road, then they would let him stay there and maybe the truckers would give him a lift. Now, at this point, it was like 2 a.m. and I had things I needed to do, but by the rules, I couldn't leave a guest unattended. Finally, after his fourth or fifth time trying to persuade me to give him a key, I got an idea. My boss was gone for the weekend, but the ceiling creaked periodically, so I waited for a creak and to my relief, one came soon. He was talking, getting subtly angrier with me. His face twisted a little in a way that made me recant any ideas that he was a man of church. I held up my fingers to my lips in a shushing gesture. He looked shocked that I had shushed him, and I explained quietly, My boss lives upstairs and he's sleeping. To be honest, I'd do more for you if I could, but she comes down to check on me every few hours. He paused and stared at me for a minute, then laughed deeply. This threw me off, mostly because I had just shushed him, and he was now louder than before. <laughs> no, they're not. He sneered at me. I was taken aback. Before, he had been pushy, but now he was downright mean. My mind flashed to my taser in my bag that was sitting by the back door. Damn it. My boss lives up there, I said truthfully. He shook his head. The old man's not there, he insisted. Now I was confused. My boss was a 60-year-old woman who had been the manager since the place was bought out from the previous motel three years before. He sat in the tiny lobby drinking cocoa or coffee. I tried to turn up the volume on the TV so he might watch the TV, but the remote didn't respond. It would change channels just fine, but the volume stayed down. Also, I swear to God, several times when he was talking to me, I saw the flood of headlights that meant a guest had pulled in. But when I checked, not only was no one there, but there were no new tire tracks either. I would get up to check to get away from the guy, but the two or three times it happened, I was genuinely confused. Every time as I was sitting down, he'd lean in on his elbow and watch me. The thing that really confused me was right before he left. I think he saw that I wasn't going to back down, and he was standing in the lobby with his smile of angry disbelief. I swear, when I did this before, they knew better than this, he told me. I wondered if he'd gotten free nights at other places, but he was looking around the lobby like he knew this place. For a second, I considered calling a day manager, asking if I could just give this guy a room and get rid of him. But by this point, he had made me angry, stepping all over me the way he did. You're gonna know who I am, he told me. One day, you'll know who I am. Should I know who you are then? I was still playing kind hostess. I wondered if maybe he was a minor celebrity I didn't know about. That would explain his attitude and stupid big-ass cross. The fashion statement of a drama queen sort of suited this guy. 
No, but you should. Now he was dead serious. You will. He tacked on, adding to my impression that maybe he was a TV personality of some kind. After a little while, he got angry and made like he was going to leave. And right then, an SUV pulled up and a tired family got out, trudging their way inside. Distracted for a minute, I greeted them and asked about a room, only looking up for the guy after a minute or two, but he was already gone. I mean, just gone. I never saw him walk past me. I got the family a room, and as they left, I had a weird feeling, so I checked the kitchen, and I checked upstairs to make sure my boss's room was still locked. To be honest, I wouldn't put it past this guy. I bundled up and stepped outside, thinking maybe he had taken my advice to go to the Denny's and ask a trucker for a lift. The lobby was an extended ceiling that ends with pillars some 15 feet away, so that it's always dry when people pull up. Going to the edge of the dry spot, I tried to see where he had gone, but I couldn't see any figure in the distance going anywhere. It took me longer than I'm proud to admit, but I noticed eventually that there were no footprints in the snow, only the fresh tire tracks from where I could see the family had driven to and was now unloading their stuff. I spent the rest of the night paranoid, with no footprints in the fresh snow. That meant he had to be somewhere inside, and I wasn't sure what I should do. I mean, maybe he took a long way around or crossed the street back in the dark, where I couldn't see, but I couldn't shake the paranoia that he was stashed somewhere in the lobby or trying to break into a room. After talking with him for so long, I wouldn't have put it past him to do that. Eventually, morning came without further incident. I made breakfast, cleaned up, and waited for my weekend manager, who came in at six, to get there. While she was counting the money drawer to make sure it was balanced and doing the count out, I told her about this man. She laughed at my problem good-naturedly, but as she listened, her face grew skeptical when I described what the man looked like. Uh, did you get his name? She asked. I told her no, but I got the feeling she was doubting my story. On my next shift, there was a sticky note waiting for me. In red ink, it read, If any weird people hang around, call the cops. Cops will do rounds every few hours. Or something to that effect. Now, that caught my attention. And when my coworker saw I was finished reading it, she explained. Apparently, after I left my previous shift, the family I checked in in the middle of the night came up to her, and the father complained that some guy had been standing and staring in through their window. One of the kids had pulled back the heavier curtains, leaving only the gossamer ones, and apparently one of the younger kids cried to their mom that some guy was standing at the window. The mother saw him too, but when the dad checked, no one was there. I guess there was no description of him as the family just got a quick glance. But later in the day, an older lady who had been on the ground floor had mentioned that a very rude someone had knocked on her door and woke her up. When she didn't get up, because it was the middle of the night after all, the figure had knocked on her window for a while before leaving. The lady was just mad, but I had pretty much no doubt about whom it was, and I regretted not calling the cops. Finally, she told me, 
Another co-worker had a run-in with a guy of the same description a few years prior, and she had quit right after. My co-worker was upset because the other girl had talked about the cross he wore like the one the guy I dealt with was wearing. I worked there for another five months, and although everything was fine, I always kept my taser close by. Even though I mostly forgot about it, I was forbidden from telling guests about it. Every now and then I'd get a tingle down my back and spend the rest of the night paranoid. These stories just go to show you, even if someone is so kind as to offer you the nastiest, floppiest dildo you've ever seen, that doesn't mean they're good people. So when your shift ends and you're walking back to your car, always keep an eye out. You never know when the worst sorts of people might be lying in wait. Well, my break is over. I'd better make sure that rat-human hybrid thing doesn't come back out from the storage room. Got kinda messy last time that happened. I'll see you again on my next break with more Tales from the Break Room. Tales from the Break Room is a viewer-submitted podcast featuring allegedly true scary stories that happened on the way to, on the way from, or at work. If you want your story to be narrated on the show, send it to us at eeriecast.com submit. As of April 14th, we're paying three cents per word for stories that are approved and make it onto the show. Submission does not guarantee approval or payment. For a limited time only, PayPal only. Tales from the Break Room is an EerieCast Network original podcast hosted by Darkness Prevails. You can follow him on Twitter at Dark Prevails, and you can hear thousands more stories read by him on our other show, Unexplained Encounters. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow and rate Tales from the Break Room on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also enjoy plenty more horror-themed podcasts at EerieCast.com.